Welcome to Inside the Path to Success podcast, brought to you by Opulus, where you go behind the scenes with financial planners Ryan Greiser and Fran Walsh to hear stories about how leading entrepreneurs, millennials, professional athletes, and coaches navigate the natural challenges that arise on the path to success and how to advance to the next level. And now, here are your hosts from Opulus, Ryan Greiser and Fran Walsh. All right, welcome to another episode of Inside the Path to Success podcast. I'm Fran Walsh, joined by my co-host, Rye. Rye, how are we doing today, man? Doing awesome, buddy. So, new little change up today. Um, we've had some good feedback on the mailbag episodes. Uh, we got a couple other things that we wanted to dive into. So, we're just going to change up basically the way we do our non... Um, our non-interview podcast. We're just going to basically have three topics of the day that we're going to give some thoughts on that are related to the financial world. Sometimes it's going to be news related. Sometimes it's going to be something that we're just seeing getting a lot of traction online, provide our thoughts, just make sure that uh, everyone out there is well-educated. They understand what's going on and they understand a bit of our thought process on uh, certain topics. So um, first one that I kind of want to talk about that we get a lot of questions on is day trading. Um, Anyone who follows us on social, I'm sure you see all the time, we'll kind of get spam messages on all of our posts from people trying to promote their day trading practices. And um, this is just something we want to really warn people about. Um, all these people are always posting or they, they send a lot of inboxes. I always get screenshots from people asking about like, Hey, is this stuff legit? These Forex traders, right? Essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to pay for, um, either trades or trading signals. And then what they do is they post screenshots of their best trades, right? You look at these guys or these, these women's profiles, obviously you never see any red, right? These people are all, they're turning a hundred bucks into, into 10 grand and they're claiming that they can do it with your money as well. So naturally, this is obviously not the case, right? Um, One of the interesting stats that you'll find online when you look up day trading, right? Everyone likes to think, oh, I'm the one who can, I'm the one who can defeat the odds, right? I'm the one who can make it day trading. Less than 1% of day traders consistently are able to beat the market. That less than 1% is able to actually make a real living trading their own money on markets. About 10% will be profitable in some way, shape, or form, right? But profitable doesn't mean you can make a real living on it. Um, so that means for every 10 winners, there is 90 losers, right? Or every one person that can make a living off it, that means there's 99 people that are losing money. Um, so just a crazy comparison, right? If someone flipped the coin 100 times, and they did that in 100 different scenarios, right? 3% of the time, you'll have over 60 heads. So day trading, you have pretty much just as good of a probability trusting someone who claims they're you know, a day trader online as you do if you just flip the coin on what trades you wanted to make. So naturally, this is something that gets very frustrating for us, right? We see it. We don't want to see people being scammed out of money. Um, and it's just something that's extremely... Um, it's just silly to think that people believe this stuff because you see it online and you're like, if you if you're someone who consistently watches the markets, you just know there's no way that someone can just be be winning all the time, right? It's like when you look like you look in the NFL, right? And no one ever goes undefeated, right? Everyone takes losses, but it's about you know taking the losses as, as little as possible. But so when you see these people, it's just something you got to understand and know that it's a it's a total scam. Do not trust these people. Anyone who's a wildly successful trader, one is never going to want to sell their trades because if they're any good at it, they're probably making so much money that they don't need the 
50 or 100 bucks they're trying to get you to, to pay them for their own trades. Um, and two, if they were really good and they were appealing to the masses, they wouldn't be giving away their trades because what it's going to do is it's going to throw off the market. It's going to make them a market mover in a sense, which is illegal in its own self. And then it's just going to mess up their entire thing. So um, long-winded answer. I know uh, it's just something that everyone sees. Everyone's interested in. You see these YouTube videos of these young kids being like, yeah, join my course. Here's how I can train you to become a day trader, but just don't trust it. Um, very few people are able to do it, um, but it's just something that we felt the need to talk about because it's it's very uh, stressful to see a lot of people falling for these things online. Um, so with that, Ryan, what's your thoughts on it? <laughs> yeah, man. I, listen, I don't disagree with anything you just said, and it's it's the equivalent of that Instagram influencer renting a jet for the day to take pictures inside of it, but it never leaves the tarmac. Right, one person that sits in front of a Lamborghini and takes some pictures of it. Like it's all for show. Besides, maybe that one percent guy that we're disrespecting here, right? That one guy out of a hundred of those accounts that really is crushing it. Good for him. But listen, the reality is, if, if those dudes are really and gals are killing it, like they say, they're not going to worry about fifty bucks from some kid in Missouri, Ohio, right? Trying to. uh to, to get in on a course to do it. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I want to talk about before, uh, before I like, got into this world, I worked at a, a quant trading firm, right? And what these guys specialized in, um, the really good ones, they, they learned how to play poker, blackjack. And essentially that was very equivalent to trading because what they were trying to do is they were trying to find basically edges in the game where they could take a very hedged bet where they had a 52% at most chance of winning. And then that was like a huge thing for them, right? So what they did was they trained people to basically be able to count cards, find an edge. And that's essentially kind of what they do with trading, right? They look for an edge or an arbitrage and they take a huge bet on it. But still, at the end of the day, those are the best guys in the world and women at what they do. And they are looking for a 52% chance at winning a trade, right? So there are some days that those people that are the best in the world still take major losses, right? So if these are the smartest people in the world who are doing this stuff for a living and they have an extremely small edge, I promise you that Joe Schmo with with 15 followers on social media uh, is not consistently beating the market and uh, he needs you to give him your 50, 100 bucks uh, to, to learn his master course. Um, so, uh, just wanted to provide some insights out to that. I know it's just, it's something that's, it's fun to think about, you know, it's fun to think like, oh yeah, I could be the one to, to make money from sitting in my, in my bedroom. And I get a couple texts a day saying, yeah, buy this, buy this, sell here, sell here. And then you're all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm making a thousand dollars a week. It's fantastic. I can quit my job soon. Um, but it's just, yeah. it's not realistic. Um, and like you said, to, to the one or two people that are actually able to do it out of those hundreds. God bless you. Great job. You obviously studied your ass off. You learned and, um, you know, good for you. But for, for the masses, stay away from it at all costs. Stick to the tried two methods, investing, saving, compound growth. Yep. Yep. No, no doubt about it, man. Well, you ready to talk about rich people, taxes, Pandora papers, oh, all yeah. the good stuff? Love it. Let's get so, right in. <laughs> So, uh, so we're going to dive into a, uh, an article from CNBC and the Pandora Papers, right? So first of all, there are a lot of scumbag rich people out there that are absolutely evading taxes. And uh, if you haven't checked out the details of the Pandora Papers, it's super interesting to, to take a look at um, 
how some of the wealthiest people, not just the U.S., but around the world, are setting up shell companies in Switzerland, the Bahamas, offshore to evade taxes by buying property, this, that, and the other thing. Right. Um, but there is also a report on sep- the end of September from CNBC uh, that says uh, this is titled, right? America's richest 400 families pay a lower tax rate than the average taxpayer. So, so here's what we're saying is hey, the mass media on this stuff has some interesting dialogues that they, uh, that they push, right? Republican, Democrat, independent, doesn't matter. This is interesting to take a look at. So, what this report from the White House said is that the top 400 richest people in America only pay an average of 8%. Now, listen, we work with some uh, clients that are doing very well for themselves, some that are uh, up and coming, and they are paying much more than an average of 8.2 federal income tax. In fact, the majority of the population is paying much, much more than that. But the article title is interesting. But as you kind of read through it a little bit more, uh, it's interesting on how they actually came to this. So the the White House did an analysis that they report the published in a report. And what the report kind of dug in and said is that um, how they're calculating that is actually completely manipulating the tax code on how it's currently structured. And they're changing it just to account for investment growth and investment income. So here's what that means. Today, we only get taxed on income that we earn or the proceeds from an investment or real estate once it's sold, minus dividends that are paid out. So in other words, if I invest $100,000 or $10,000, you name the number, and it doubles in value, I only have to pay taxes on that capital gain upon me selling that. In the meantime, I don't got to pay taxes on it, right? It's good. It's my investment. It's growing. It's going to go up. It's going to go down. The IRS is only going to tax me when I liquidate that investment or when I sell a home, for that example. Right. So the interesting thing about this, and even the authors of this say, hey, our numbers are kind of imperfect, right? Because we emphasize, and this is quote, we emphasize the estimated tax rate of the wealthiest is uncertain and open to refinement due to current data limitations. To translate that, they just made up numbers and they're manipulating the tax code of how we're actually taxed to push this report forward. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. There's a bunch of scumbag rich people that are not paying enough money in taxes, right? And is it fair to say that the wealthier, the wealthy individuals and corporations should pay more in taxes to help out the rest of America? Sure, I think there's an argument for that. But listen, obviously, so many people avoid that. Why? Because they don't trust the government and they don't trust where the money is going for the taxes that they're paying. Right. I don't know anyone that we've talked to recently that says, man, you know what? I think the government's doing an awesome job, top to bottom. My tax dollars are being spent well. I haven't talked to anybody. And if they are, cool, right? Good for you. I feel a little bit differently myself, but but it's just a crazy thing to think about that they're and that's where this that number is coming from. That they're paying less is because they're not paying taxes on the growth of their investments, right? I don't know about you, Fran, but if my house goes up fifty, a hundred thousand dollars in value in a year, and listen, the housing market's crazy right now, I don't want to pay taxes on the growth of my home going up by fifty thousand dollars. Be like, well, where am I going to get that money from, right? So I got to pay what 10, 20 percent, right? Ten grand 
on on the appreciation of my house, even though I didn't sell it, even though I'm not liquidating it just because it's going up in value. Right. So that's on the upside. But the problem with this rationale is that we've been on this bull run for since the report goes back to 2010, 2018. So everything's kind of been up and up and up. But what happens on the flip side? Right. So you're telling me if Jeff Bezos's company drops by 10, 20% or the value of rich people's homes or my home or, you know, a teacher's home drops by five, 10, 15, 20%, you're what going to give me a tax credit in that year. And I don't have to pay any taxes. No shot. The country would go broke. Right. So that, theoretically in 2008, if that happened, everyone got tax credits for their home dropping by 40% in value and the market's dropping. You got a credit for a loss that you took, even though you didn't liquidate anything. Guess how much revenue the government would have received? Like zero, right? Nothing, right? So just the uh, the report just is just irritating. Not that a rich Americans shouldn't pay more in taxes. It's just that like the the headline and then a complete manipulation of the report of saying, "Hey, we're going to change the way the tax code actually works today for this." Now, you know, I think that a consumption tax compared to this capital gains tax makes a lot more sense. The tax foundation has a report on that. But essentially that's saying is, hey, instead of trying to figure out tax bills and tax credits and tax deductions in the year when all these values are fluctuating, and by the way, good luck trying to get an appraisal on the value of a rich person's home year over year, each and every year to determine tax credits and tax liabilities that they have. Like that's not going to happen. You know, but having a tax consumption um, on wealthy individuals that, hey, listen, if you got a yacht and you're consuming a lot more than the average American is, and you got 25 properties, you know, the Tax Foundation released a really interesting report that that's a much better and easier way to implement taxes compared to just saying, hey, we're going to tax every single rich person on the appreciation of their investments and their property, even though they're not trying to dispose of them yet. So it's just a mess. It got me fired up. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it's just you know it's just dishonest when they come out with these reports, 100%. right? It's all to propose a certain agenda uh, to prop it up and say like, oh, these people aren't paying their fair share. When it's like, okay, like I get the point you're trying to make, but like, let's just be honest about the numbers, right? So tell what the actual numbers are, and then if we want to have a real discussion around it, that's fine. Um, but the other thing that I think is important to note with that too is like, you know, like when when you have money, naturally, like you just get you get better stuff, right? Like, you know, like if you're, if you're making 20 grand, like you're driving a shit car, right? All of a sudden you're making a hundred grand. You got a nicer car. You're driving like 200 grand. You're driving the Mac daddy car, right? Same thing goes with like wealthy people. As you get more wealthy, you get nicer stuff. You have access to better accountants. They can, you have so much stuff that they can do. If you have multiple businesses, multiple lines of real estate, there's so many different things that they can do to kind of not manipulate your taxes, but in a sense, um, make you able to pay less in taxes because of all the different write-outs, write-offs you get with the current tax code. Whereas like the average person doesn't have that kind of stuff, right? You got, you got your mortgage and you got like your salary and then you get to write off your 401k. And that's, that's kind of what most Americans get. But the problem is like, they don't tell the full story where with a lot of these wealthy individuals, there's just so much that goes into it. And they have such good accountants that know the IRS tax code so much more than then sorry to say, but like your local CPA who you pay 200 bucks to, right? Like it's just a much different yeah. ball game they're playing. Um, and it just makes a difference. And it's just like, if, if, if everyone was honest about the numbers, we could have a real conversation about it. But 
I get you're frustrating. That stuff's just yeah. it's just annoying when you see extra. And, and I think that's where it is. It's just that the the report is manipulated to push an agenda, right? The wealthy individuals are evading taxes on that because they have better access. I shouldn't say evading taxes. They're most of them. Some of them are right, but most of them are, are taking advantage of the tax code as written because they have access because they are wealthy. So I think it's this this balance of everyone should have access right to great financial education, a great accounts, understand the tax code, and be able to maximize it to their benefit. And they feel like <laughs> the White House, the government, and the wealthy are, are playing a game to their own benefit, and they are right. I think that's where it comes in: is people have distrust in the system because uh, it's not honest, and, and there's issues that are there. And it'll be interesting to see as things evolve over time um, how people are just—I just like people are just moving away, and they want to do their own things. And we won't get into this conversation today. But that's where like decentralized finance is really interesting is because it's a trustless system that just automatically works and you can't manipulate it. So that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But um, that that's my rant for uh, for today. Yeah, we'll start doing um, we'll start doing more of these on, you know, DeFi crypto as I, that's one of the biggest things we get questions about. Also, we're both going down a deep deep rabbit hole with it. So we're getting way more into it as well on our own um, on our own knowledge. So we're, we're interested and in I know everyone else is as well as it's just becoming more and more a part of all of our everyday lives. Um, so let's get into the last topic here. Um, so if you follow like a lot of these finance accounts or you look up any of them, um, you know, one of the things you always see is they're always like, Here's how much money you would have made if if you invested in Coca Cola 30 years ago. Okay, well that doesn't help. Right? <laughs> Here's here was the best growth performing companies over the last 10 years. Like, okay, great, that doesn't help me either. And then they say, like lastly, it's like here's how, what you should invest in moving forward. And I just always want to make sure that people are very um, careful when you follow accounts like these because we can see, like you can see our mutual friends. Like, we see a lot of people that that follow us follow a lot of these accounts. Um, so when these accounts tell you, like, here's how you should be investing your money at like age XYZ, just be very careful. We always talk about the three things that you absolutely need to have an answer to before you start investing is number one, your risk tolerance. How much risk are you willing to have inside your portfolio? Because that's going to greatly affect the kind of stocks, the kind of overall like mutual funds, ETFs, the kind of things that you're going to be want to be invested in. Number two, your time horizon, right? How much time do you have to invest these monies? Is it for 10 years down the line? Are you getting married in two years and you're just trying to save a little bit of money and you want it to keep up with inflation? Are you saving for retirement 40 years? All that kind of stuff greatly impacts the kind of securities you should be investing in. Um, and then last one, what's my third one I'm missing, right? Time horizon, risk tolerance, and just goals and objectives. Oh, goals. Yeah, right, right. So goals, like... Uh, Basically, that kind of goes alongside, um, uh, like, if you're getting married in two years and you're like, I need this money to be very uh, conservative, I can't lose it because I need to, to drop 50 grand on my wedding day, right? Obviously, you need to be very uh, moderate to conservative as compared to if you got 40 years, you know, you could go all in and be very, be very risky with that. So that's just the kind of things that these, these online, um, accounts don't ever disclose to you. They just basically say, okay, if you're 35, here's how you should invest. If you're 45, here's how you should invest. And it doesn't take into effect everyone's uh, personal situation, which is obviously very important as your financial situation is very different from other people that are just your age. Um, so don't compare yourself to others. Just talk to whoever your trusted advisor is. 
Make sure they understand your situation and together you come up with a plan that is right for you because it's going to be very different from even your friends, your family, or anyone else that you talk to. Yeah, man. I, I don't really have much to add to that. I couldn't have said it better. It's uh, cherry picking data from the past is super simple, <laughs> yeah. right? But just having an eye on what's important to you, where are you going, how much risk are you looking to do, uh, will put you in the best path, right? And it's just just like all these studies that, that are coming out around social media just in general, right? Uh, where it's like, it's just not good for your mental health to be comparing right other people's experiences and past results and all this other stuff to you. Because again, most of it is just not realistic, not attainable. Most of it's fake. It's just good to keep an eye on what you can control. Focus on your past, surround yourself with solid people that can help encourage you to push you in the right direction. Awesome, man. Um, yeah, so anyway... Last point, if we ever start posting stuff like, here's how much money you would have made if you invested in Amazon 30 years ago, please send us a message and unfollow us because uh, we're doing something wrong at that point. So uh, with that, any final words, Ry? No, man. I appreciate looking forward to uh, getting fired up about more stuff that um, inspires me or um, maybe annoys me a little bit. And talking about yeah, We're, we're going to call this the rant files because it's just stuff <laughs> that we get angry about. Instead of me and Rye just, just texting each other, I can't believe this is getting posted. Now we're, just, now we're just putting in a podcast for you guys to listen to as well. So be sure to let us know your thoughts. Uh, but as always, thank you for tuning in. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Appreciate it. If you want even more insights on the path to success, follow Ryan and Fran at Opulus LLC on Instagram and Facebook, or check us out on the web at www.opulus.us. Lastly, the content of this podcast is not to be viewed as personal investment, legal, or tax advice. You should always consult with a professional advisor before implementing any topics discussed.